Good day, my name is Jürgen Steinmetz, uh, and I'm joining you with Ethiopia News in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, with me is Dr. Eleanor Garley. Eleanor is a good friend and a contributor for Ethiopia News for the last God knows how many years, 20 or so. Oh, decades. <laughs> decades. <laughs> and uh, so that makes us all seniors, I guess. And um, uh, Eleanor wrote a really interesting article um, you see linked from this podcast and uh, wants to speak a little bit about it. It's about mass, mass gathering, the meeting and incentive industry and meetings. And she lives in a part of the world in Manhattan uh, where of course it's quite difficult to really um, not be with the mass of people, I would assume. Uh, so Eleanor, tell us a little bit more about your views. Well, clearly the, the mice market is, um, is lucrative. Um, it generates billions and billions of dollars um, around the world for um, everybody from the from the from the from the per time the per from the airline from the time the person leaves their their own neighborhood to the time that they arrive in New York or Hawaii or Paris or wherever they're going for for their meetings, uh, the velocity of money that goes through our economies. Is is incredible. The jobs um, are are so linked to uh, the meetings, incentives, and, and mass group market that the fact that we've uh, had to shut down all these large gatherings has has just crippled um, economies around the world. Um, not only large uh, mass groups of thousands, if not tens of thousands, of people. Uh, but even the smaller um, community groups uh, that use these uh, block block parties for uh, to raise money for their annual um, cash flow. So this um, this has been a, a, a devastating um, blow beyond just thinking about hotels and restaurants and the airlines, which are so obvious. But the the next level uh, or the level of the profits. From all of this is is all created by mice, by meetings, incentives, um, conventions, and exhibits, um, and uh, for the most part, uh, that that business is stopped. Of course, the motorcycle guys that are in what what, what city are these motorcycle twenty six thousand? I don't know. Some yeah, motorcycle. They're doing it without masks, without just without you know uh, social distancing. I just, I can understand why the community wanted the event to continue because they need the money that these people are spending. On the other hand, um, the, the, the COVID-19 is not a pleasant experience and you don't have to be a scientist or a uh, medical physician to know that not only is it bad from the giddy app, the, the, um, ramifications, the ongoing illness, the ongoing de physical devastation makes it something that you don't want to get. So the fact that, that this is, event is taking place is, is really quite outstanding. But one of the things is, you know, what I always, and what motivated me to write the story is that given all the news, given all the information that we get on how bad this is, and how the only way we have at the moment to stop it, or, or to not get it, not can't stop it, but not to catch it, is masks, 
social distancing and stay away from everybody. And so if that's the, if that's the way that I can kind of get to be safe and, and disease free, why are there so many people throughout the world rushing to go to these events? Why does somebody get on a motorcycle and travel thousands of miles to spend thousands of dollars when they're putting themselves in a Petri dish? Why do college kids who are not stupid go to, go to a beach and hang out and party until the wee small hours of the, of the morning and, and bunch together as though they were sardines? So what, what, we know it's not good. People, I don't think you could stop anybody on any street and ask if COVID is a good idea. People would all say no. But then on the next on the next breath, they're rushing off to have dinner or drinks or a rendezvous with their friends. So um, it's we live in a very bizarre world. So that's what motivated me to look at this issue. Yeah, and, and uh, once you read the story, you kind of um, get Eleanor's uh, point here and uh, we're, if you look at in other parts of the world, like um, uh, specifically, we did some stories recently about Germany um, in the process of opening up the meeting and incentive industry, coming up with all kinds of uh, creative ideas, how people could observe social distancing when actually at a convention, uh, when at a function. How realistic do you think this is? And how, how do you think the future of the meeting industry could look like. I mean, the world travel market is on. It was reconfirmed, supposed to be in October. There's an African travel event in Cape Town for is planned for October. Um, is this a good idea? Oh, it's a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> even Bill Gates, who I just read a little earlier today, thinks this is not gonna be over till it's over, until at best mid 2021. And then it's only going to be for those wealthy countries who are able to get access to whatever appears to be a vaccine. And then maybe some drugs that, that seem to be ameliorating the, the, the disease and making it less horrible once you get it. Um, but, but Gates um, is, is, at best, he says it's, many, it's uh, 2021. And... Um, the, and there's just, even though hotels have, are starting to recognize that if they do some basic things like substitute robots for people, and I know that's not gonna get anybody that's involved in labor, you know, stoning me, but um, until this is over, uh, I'd rather be greeted by a robot than somebody that I don't know is really sick or, or shedding. They may not have, and that's the other thing with this disease, is that you can't tell by looking at someone whether they have it or not. So, you know, if somebody, you know, maybe has the measles, you can see that they have measles or they have the mumps. But if you have COVID, you can look as healthy as anybody else, but you are shedding your, the, the virus and somebody that has um, less of a, of a immune system is likely to pick it up. And the next thing they are is they're sick and in the hospital. So, um, so no, you really can't be near people because you don't know if they're healthy or they're not. But the hotels are starting to put in robots. They're, they're still not changing the, the surfaces. And I'm, I'm really 
so annoyed that the hotels, even the new ones, are not putting in antimicrobial surfaces. The products exist. They, instead of using whatever tiles or, or, or crystal or, um, or uh, a stone, you can get antimicrobial products that will, that will kill or, or at least not perpetrate, not, not give the, the virus an environment to, to grow in. But even the new hotels are not yet putting in the, the materials is as they build or refurbish the hotels. There are fabrics that you can use to create uniforms that will kill the, will kill the virus for your staff, everybody from the kitchen staff and maintenance all the way through to the general manager. You're gonna buy uniforms for the people anyway. Why not buy them made out of fabric that will kill the virus? Makes no sense to me. So if, if, if people would get on board with the mess, the antimicrobial products, the antimicrobial fabric, and, and social distancing and masks, we could start to reboot our, our business, and our industry, our business. Uh, but when we see people like these motorcycle people, yeah, it's a freedom. You know, we don't have freedom. We're not allowed to, you know, do whatever we want to. It's illegal to commit suicide. So it's not as though we can free to do whatever. We can't kill people freely. Um, so when they start saying, I live in the United States and I can do whatever I want, that's, 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 that's magical thinking. It, it doesn't come from, from the reality of living in the United States or any other part of the world. So we're dealing with, with, with magical thinking, with, with delusional belief system that just doesn't take place in the 21st century society. And that's what gets, gets me so crazy. <laughs> No, and I found your your, your uh, assumption that hotels are not uh, ready to change their fabrics. Uh, why is this? Is this an enormous cost for the hotel? Is it way more expensive what they have now? They, they create, I don't know what the, I think maybe a uniform lasts maybe three or four years. Um, let's assume that it does. But, you know, it's not a, it, it, assuming that, that you'd even, you, you need other uniforms. People have uniforms that they don't just have one uniform if it's a front desk person or a, a manager or um, a, 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 a room attendant. Um, they change you know, uniforms rather frequently. So go out, invest in these things. They look lovely. The fabric, from what I understand, is, is very comfortable. And it lasts, you know, for whatever, 60 or 80 washings. It's a small investment. And even if you had to pass it on to your room costs, no one's going to know that the room should have been $315 and you are paying $325. Anybody that's, that's going into a hotel is not going to say, well, last year it was only $315. Why are you charging me $10 more? It doesn't make any sense. And it's better than being closed altogether, you know? Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. So if you can create this, 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 this person and this environment that, that diminishes the opportunity to get sick, why not put your money where your mouth is? Are, um, are you aware of hotels that actually did put such material in I've place? Seen some hotels, I think I just, I know I wrote about in, in the last article I did that some of the hotels are putting in robots. And, and of course a robot doesn't complain, a robot doesn't get sick, you can easily clean the robot. And if your robot acts out, you just unplug it and plug someone else in. 
And so there are a growing number of hotels around the world that are starting to replace people with robots. Um, and um, even in, in the kitchen, in the back of the house, there are now robots that can make the dinner and make the pizza and the robots that can serve it. And so we can, we can move into what is, look, is the 21st century as we move into an electronic world. We can't go back. And, and a couple of weeks ago, I was listening on a Zoom meeting to the CEOs of some major hotel groups. And they're smiling and happy. Of course they are. They're, they're fat cats. They're, they're collecting their, their great big checks while their hotels remain empty. Um, and they just said, well, you know, we're basically going to wait it out. Well, it's very nice for them to sit there and, and say that. But there's things that they could do that would start the that would jumpstart the industry just now. Listen, we're now what six months into this. The airlines are far starting to get it. JetBlue just made the announcement that they're using the UV lights um, on on I think all their flights um, as the flight lands, and they're going to um, bring the UV light in to kill all the the viruses that are on the surfaces. They should have been doing that from from day one, rather than wait six months. If they had brought in all of the the, the antimicrobial uh, products and the UV and the and the and the um, and and they should the the airline personnel should be wearing the same uh, uh, protective garments that they do in the hospitals. They're what fifty cents a piece. Hello, we're not talking about a lot of money. And if they had sh shown their concern for the passenger right from the giddy up, we as consumers would have not have had the time to get scared. We would have just said, oh, it's just like when there's a crash, you know, oh my God, they got a, they had the airplane crashed. Uh, it's gonna be safer now than ever because they're gonna bring in all the engineers and all the technicians and they're gonna make sure the next plane doesn't fall out of the sky. And so I can now make a reservation. <coughs> if they had done that right from the giddy up, we would not have had time to even think about getting sick on an airplane. Uh, oh. And instead, they've been the hotels and the airlines and everybody else uh, just has waited in the wings, thinking that we're going to go back to 2019. You can't go back to 2019. Yeah, and it, it's tough to realize this. And I think not even our so-called leaders in the industry really um, get it. I'm, I'm, I'm because they're so, they're so fat and happy <laughs> that, that they do not, there's no incentive for them to change. The incentive comes from the people that report to them and those people are being fired. You either agree or you leave. There is no, I, I fortunately had my career during my, when I was in, in hotels and, and restaurants, whatever. I worked in an environment where the leadership wanted the ideas. They encouraged this, you know, management by objectives and what do you think and how can we do it? And, and employees were rewarded for coming up with a new idea. Here you come up with a new idea or a suggestion, you're, you're out the door faster than you can, you know, grab your briefcase. So um, people are afraid of, of what the next decade is going to bring. And I don't know why they fear the, fear it and, and want to hang on to Mr. Trump's magical thinking. 
but magical thinking doesn't get us anywhere except impoverished. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What a fascinating discussion. Uh, we're a little bit over our 15 minutes. Um, so let's let's continue this discussion because I think it, it is good and maybe we get some people listening um, that can make such a change and we'd be very happy to report about anyone implementing um, some of these ideas or other ideas so we can share. Uh, so just contact us, uh, click on the contact link on any of our websites and you will get to us. And if you have any uh, comments to Eleanor's article, what is linked from this podcast, um, simply click on the comment link and you can do this. And if you need to contact Eleanor, just also send us a note through our contact page and we'll make sure uh, she receives it. When we will return, you can listen to Eleanor's conclusion of this discussion and how the world could be better in travel and tourism. Stay tuned. Eleanor, thank you so much for uh, your readiness. I know it's Sunday evening where you are. In well, New York. again, we, we, you know, they, they refuse, again, I can go to physical therapy and it's a group and there's people and, and I'm allowed to work with my therapist because I fractured my knee, my, my ankle rather in, in December, but the, <coughs> the gym is not allowed to open in my gym. I would go to my trainer and work out on the machines and, and he would work with me so that I can walk. And so the physical therapy room um, is allowed to open and they've been open now for about three months, but my gym can't open. It doesn't make any sense. The people are not making any, any sound judgments in, in the city that I live in. Occasionally our governor comes up with some good ideas and, um, and, and uh, but for the most part, our mayor is clueless and, and sending all these children back to a school where they're, they've not changed the HVA system. They've not put the, I just heard on, on WSNBC uh, earlier today, the teachers um, in, in some elementary schools, and I think it's probably most of them, are spending their own money to build the plastic partitions between their desk and the children's desk. Teachers do not make a lot of money why should they have to put up these plastic partitions at their own expense? And why hasn't it been done over the summer so that the teachers and the children could come back and be in a safe environment? What they just, now the, now the teachers are going into their classroom to build these safe environments for themselves. And what happens if the teacher gets sick? There's nobody gonna pay for their medical care beyond whatever it is that, that the city or the, you know, their private school has insurance and it's not covering the cost of the illness. And even if they're okay, they go home to their children and their families and they shed. So this whole thing has not been thought through into a way that makes it any sense. Everybody is, whether you're gonna vote for Mr. Trump or not, it's not the, that's not the issue. The issue is the magical thinking. Mr. Trump thinks that if he thinks about it, it's going to be like Peter Pan. I could, I want to, I'm thinking about flying, I'm going to fly. The reality is that we can't do that. Just because we think we're going to be healthy doesn't make us healthy. Just because we think we're going to be safe doesn't mean that we're going to be safe. Um, but thanks to the scientists and the researchers, there's like five steps that we can all take and if we all followed them in lockstep, we would all be better off. And we could go to our dinner parties and we could go to our 
health clubs that we can go to our swimming pools, but nobody wants to do it. 26,000 motorcycle people don't want a mask on their face. Yes. What's the big deal? What's the no, big deal? It's, it's unreal. And I think everyone was caught completely by surprise and unprepared. I mean, I can tell you uh, on a last note here in, in Hawaii, it, it appears we really locked ourselves up. We don't allow tourists unless they stay two weeks inside a hotel room, not even allowed to go to the lobby. So no one in their right mind, if they really wanted to follow through on these restrictions, would really come here for a vacation. Specifically, if they stay two weeks or one week, why would they want to be locked in a hotel room? Um, but regardless, now even assuming every tourist, and we get about three to 400 a day, is following these rules, what was completely overlooked that the military is allowed to come in here and they can bring their friends and their grandmothers and their children and their cousins and no one gets to put gets to put in, in quarantine and we have about four to five hundred sometimes six hundred military members arriving here every single day ever since this lockdown was announced and none of them had to be in any kind of quarantine so and there's no, is, there's no track and trace absolutely and and of course mr cuomo is stopping anybody that's coming in with a with a license plate um or i you know from the trains or the planes or the the cars and they're driving in from another state he's you know doing random stops and and i think that's great you know if they put one you know a bracelet a tracking bracelet <coughs> on these people so we could see where they were and what they're doing and how many people they're interfacing with. But of course that's not happening, um, but it, it's just a heads up. But again, the software exists. We could do track and trace. They are doing it in other parts of the country. We could, um, you know, all of the, everybody that has a cell phone, regardless of whether we volunteered or not, it could show up on our phone as a track and trace. And they would know, they, meaning whoever it is, the government would know where we were and who we interfaced with. So if we got sick, then they would know the, you know, six or 12 or 1200 people that we interfaced with over the last whatever, two weeks. So the technology exists, the science exists. This is not, this is no longer a quiz. This is, this is a real plan, but you've got to, you know, on, you know, for, for better or worse, people have chosen um, to, to put their, their ego in front of their good health and, and they just act out all over the place. I mean, even in my neighborhood, and I live in a reasonably, you know, if we were looking at the demographics, we'd look at a well-educated community and, and I've gotten into arguments with, with people walking by me without a mask. And, and I said, you know, you, uh, you are shedding. I do not want to get your disease. Oh, and they, you know, say you're crazy lady and they start screaming at me and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's because people are so tied up in their own wants and their own wishes that they, when they get sick, it's just like that, that interview they did with a college student who didn't think that he was going to get sick. He said, I thought it was a hoax. And now as he was, you know, his last breath, he died. It's so a, if we could get rid of the magical thinking and get people to touch reality, um, we probably could contain this and we could see the end of the year um, as, as a reboot of our industry. But as long as people believe that, you know, that we're living in the wizard, you know, with the Wizard of Oz and there's magic going to make us better, it's, 
it continues to be fruitless. Even, and I just wanted to add what my, my last story or all the stories that I've been doing on COVID, I send to you know thousands of people through LinkedIn. And I got people, <coughs> government officials from around the world reading my, my stories, but all they do is say, thank you for sharing. Not one of these leaders in any part of the planet, and it doesn't matter what region, what city, what country, they thank me for the story. I think they've actually read it. And no one says, you know, this is really a good idea. I'm going to start doing it. Or I'm already doing it. And maybe you want to do a story on how it's working in my part of the planet. People just read it and they dismiss it because it requires you to take action. And, and that's really what's needed right now, Eleanor. I couldn't agree more with you. Let's continue this conversation. This was fascinating. Thank you so much. And I hope okay, you have so a magical good. evening and uh, stay safe. <laughs> magical evening. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we talk to Thank you me. soon. Okay, Thank bye you, Eleanor. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please go to livestream.travel, livestream.travel to watch all our videos and listen to all our podcasts. Otherwise, I see you back soon. Aloha.